Well, I mean, there's danger in that. I, I think there's actually more danger with starting with too much money. Mm. Um, you know, what we've seen is you can either, I say you either start with cash or you start with culture. Wow. You can't have both because if you start with cash, uh, that's, that's your leverage and you've got to right. keep funding with cash or you start with culture, culture of volunteering, culture of grit, culture of grind. Yep. Uh, and that one can get deeper and stronger as the church comes and cash will eventually come to be able to do stuff and pay people. But when you start all, a lot of the time starting with uh, cash, you, you're substituting that for culture. Hey, we've got a great episode for you. I couldn't settle on a title here because the guys had such a great conversation around generational wealth about being pastorpreneurs. And with pastors Adam and Vance being ministers and entrepreneurs, I felt like we got a great conversation, primer perspective on the healthy ambition it's taken them to launch, sustain, and continue to innovate things that are kingdom building, not just ministry, but any organization that is purposed to advance the kingdom. I feel like some of you are going to have some questions or topics that you'd like to dig in a little bit more on because it does touch on that tension that you're going to wrestle with as you're starting off your startup, ministry, organization. And perhaps you want to get a faith-filled Silicon Valley view on things. You can email me directly at katrina at hypenetwork.org. Or as many of you do, you can follow us on Instagram and shoot us a direct message. And I'd love to bring it into a future episode. Hey, while I have you, there's a lot of things happening just in a couple weeks here. Amen Conference 2023 at Vive Church is happening on June 21 through 23. And literally, it's about two weeks away in addition to the amazing main stage lineup that we have, we also have a whole hype track for innovators, investors, founders, CEOs, tech entrepreneurs. We've got amazing discussions on things like faith in the workplace, disruptive innovation, pioneering tech pathways, and it's just going to be so awesome to get everybody together in a new space that we're pioneering called The Hype House. So, if you want to get in on this, you should not wait. Tickets are going really fast. I think we're going to sell out. Go to amenconference.org, add on the hype track. My team will send you all the information you need to make sure you're selecting the sessions that you want to be part of so that you don't miss a moment of it. All right, that's enough from me. I think you're going to like this episode. I think it's going to help quite a few people. I hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. All right, episode 10, here we go. That's what they say. I mean, we don't have our co-host Katrina here, so we could be talking blasphemy. I don't know. Yeah, we could be making it up. Um, <laughs> if we skipped one, then it wasn't important. That's right. Let's just call it episode, episode 10. 10. Hype pod uh, coming in at you with some, especially without our co-host, some topics that is off script. Excellent. Unfiltered. Excellent. That's when we're at our best. I feel like when we're off script, unfiltered, we are at our peak. We're definitely at our peak. We're definitely at the prime. We're at the prime of our life. Let's mm. put it that way. Mm. Uh, I think every year I consider it's the prime of my life and uh, we've got our finger on the pulse or somewhat. Uh, <laughs> you do. You just come back from LA today. Just came back from LA. The land of culture, apparently. That's, that's right. Apparently. I mean, um, I still believe that Los Angeles, Hollywood has a big influence in the world. It's still one of our biggest exports if you think about it. Right. Right. Media, entertainment, um, even our politics is like entertainment nowadays. It is. Did you get that vibe when you were in LA? this last, I guess, few days, did you feel 
that you were in the epicenter of culture? Did you feel that people are mindful of that? Or do you think it's just a subset of that area that's controlling the culture of the way America's perceived around the world? I was in kind of a niche of a niche type group, right? It was a pastor's gathering. Yep. And why I say niche of a niche, because it was pastors primarily on the West Coast, primarily in Southern California. And right. so, you know, some of the things I've observed is that there is more of a chill vibe. Mm. I would even say like Bay Area versus New York. Obviously, Bay Area is more chill. But in the Bay Area, there is this entrepreneurial edge. There is this kind of driving force. Right. There is this, you know, side hustle after the main hustle, building apps, changing the world type of normal conversation mm. that that you would have. I think L.A. is definitely even more lax than that. Right. Um, and their aspirations are just different. Sure. You know, whether that's right or wrong, I don't I don't think that's really the conversation. But I think it's just um, it's a different mentality. And it's funny because they've. Like I've noticed they've tried to recreate it like Silicon Beach, <laughs> you know, and uh, even with Austin, Texas, which has probably been somewhat more successful with Silicon Alley. Are mm-hmm, those terms mm-hmm. still flying or is that just they gave up on those terms? I think in the pandemic when it was so easy to work from anywhere where they said that Silicon Valley was in the cloud, I think right. that, you know, quote unquote, that that was true for that two to three year stretch. But if you think about it, um, I'm, I'm pretty close with certain accelerators like Y Combinator, this other accelerator called OnDeck, there is a fierce return to the actual physical place of Silicon Valley. The the reality is this, is that because companies are calling back people to in-person, I mean, Apple has already been there. Google is uh, being more aggressive at that. Zuckerberg is being a lot more aggressive. Which is funny. Yeah. Like Zuckerberg is probably the most aggressive right now. I know from people at Meta that, Mm. you know, it's pretty much come back or quit. Oh, totally. Or, or you're gone. However, they've gone completely bullish on the metaverse, which is a product from your home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's kind of an oxymoron, huh? Isn't it? Yeah, that's interesting. There's but a dichotomy there. What's undefeated is the in-person connection. Right. And because of that flight back and people can't just be working from Puerto Rico anymore or from whatever island that they were in, Silicon Valley is no longer you know, in the cloud, so to speak. It's back. Talent density. It's really that. It's talent density uh, in terms of software development. It's back in the Silicon Valley, whether you're in LA trying to make it happen in Silicon Beach or in Austin trying to make it in Silicon Alley, the density is still not to the level as the Bay Area. I mean, you see this in music, right? You see this in film. Music Nashville. Exactly. You see it in, you know, you want to be in Hollywood if you want to be an actor. So oh, yeah. you see this in different settings. Um, and and it's it's hard to get away from that, you know, because it attracts those kinds of people to that talent density, as you just said. Side question, do you think the metaverse has popped? Do you think that whole thing is still a future, that there's life in the metaverse? Or do you think it was a combination of covid we're working at home and this is the future we're now going to resign to the fact that we're going to be separate or do you think people are so burnt out from that era of covid and isolation that man it's going to take a long time to resurrect the idea of the metaverse what's your thoughts on that yeah whenever i think about these potential shifts in technology or the way that we interact i try to think about it at a very like application level And so when I think about the metaverse, I do think there's a couple strong applications. 
I think one of them is obviously gaming. Mm. So Roblox, you know, uh, Fortnite, some of those things have already had a fidelity of metaverse in it. Um, where Gen Z definitely is already part of that type of, uh, experience. And so I do think that gaming is a, probably the strongest use case in my opinion, Um, in addition to that, I do think there's an element of the hybrid virtual physical kind of work experience that could be iterated on through the metaverse where a little bit more of an immersive, I don't think that, you know, the society is going to land on zoom as the highest fidelity way that we, you know, connect. Um, you know, there was several years ago, early on when we were planning the church, one of our members worked at Cisco and they were showing us holograms. That's right. Right. And so I think where did that technology go? Cause exactly. that was, that was meant to be the thing <laughs> Exactly. that soon I'll be in. Cause remember he pitched us, Hey, you could be in each campus yeah. with a hologram on stage. Oh, totally. I was like, this is going, that was like eight years amazing. ago. Amazing. Yeah. Something happened. I don't know. Cisco lost all their engineers to a zoom, I guess. But, <laughs> um, but I, I do think that there is going to be an element of that being relevant for, for work. Zuckerberg making his whole company bet on it, right? Pretty ballsy. That was big. Um, I don't know if I fully understand the totality of his vision there, um, but those are the two use cases I would say seem the strongest for the metaverse, right? And they're not hurting right now. They're not hurting. They're not hurting. But you know, talking about ecosystems, talking about um, you know talent density, a thought that I had that I wanted to quickly discuss is that you know all of these different places have different hustles. Um, all of these different hustles have kind of different mentalities. One kind of hustle and mentality that I feel like has become more and more prevalent, especially in the world that we live in, is pastors also being entrepreneurs. Mm. And so the the reason I bring this up is T.D. Jakes right now, Bishop T.D. Jakes has been on this media tour. And I don't know if it's because he's gotten backlash um, from certain people and he's trying to explain some of the things that he's doing, but he has been on pretty prominent network kind of television and, and radio stations explaining the work he's doing in the community, which I think from my perspective has been pretty cool to hear his perspective. So he's actually been like really outlining that there is, and you know, this is the names that he uses, T.D. Jake's ministry, which is a lot of things that he does with the Potter's House, which is 501c3 nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole nother arm to what he does called T.D. Jake's Enterprises. Yeah, right. And so T.D. Jake's Enterprises has a lot of business arms to it, like producing films and um, investing in real estate. And so I think maybe because people were unclear of those two things existing, People could, you know, fill fill in the blanks all they want. It's kind of like um, Will of Fortune, right? <laughs> Where nobody, you know, just flips through the right. channel when they see Will of Fortune. They stop because they think they can fill in the blank. They can figure it out. <laughs> exactly. But then you probably like you you thought that uh, it was Dodge, but it was Duck. Right. right. right? You, you got it wrong. Um, but you know, he was just explaining that the work that he does on enterprises is completely separate from the work that he does in ministry. And I thought that was like a really dynamic approach. I guess what's your perspective? Because that's a really high profile example, but I could probably count on my hand dozens of other pastors that have been entrepreneurial. I mean, we're both examples of that, but even just a lot of our friends is starting to either do it or 
explore it, this idea of pastorpreneur, is that, is that right? Is well, that I haven't not heard right? that term, you know? but that's cool. <laughs> Did you just coin that? Because we can, we can literally trademark so that. So our, our, our friend Darius Daniels, um, he uses it all the time, and I thought it was a cool term. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll call this podcast pastorpreneur. I can't even say it. Pastorpreneur. There you go. Pastorpreneur. <laughs> um, what's my thought on it? I actually think, uh, obviously, uh, I I do this, um, running other companies while pastoring the church. And uh, we we had to do this for years because we self-funded. to, to right. build. We bootstrapped this. Uh, we had to raise our own money. We weren't funded by anybody. Um, and so... By the way, that's like a novel idea nowadays. Oh, it's an absurd, is that, is an absurd like, idea. I was actually talking to a, a church planner um, that's moving to, to the West Coast in the next few months. And he was just asking me about how to fundraise for the church and how he right. believes he needs about $2 million. And I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> that'd be nice. There's a, there's different ways. <laughs> well, I mean, there's danger in that. I, I think there's actually more danger with starting with too much money. Mm. Um, you know, what we've seen is you can either, I say you either start with cash or you start with culture. Wow. You can't have both because if you start with cash, uh, that's, that's your leverage and you've got to right. keep funding with cash or you start with culture, cultural volunteering, culture of grit, culture of grind. Yep. Uh, and that one can get deeper and stronger as the church comes. And cash will eventually come to be able to do stuff and pay people. But when you start all, a lot of the time starting with uh, cash, you, you're substituting that for culture. Right. Because um, you've got hired hands. Exactly. I mean? So you bootstrapped. We bootstrapped. And so that forced us to get very creative with how we were going to make a living for our family. Yep. And uh, we weren't – because, you know, when you're bootstrapping, any finances that come into the church is to actually build the church. Right. The, the biblical model actually is one of pastorpreneur. Pastorpreneur. Did I say that right? I mean Paul. Paul the apostle. Okay. So he was not opposed to taking an offering for the church. Mm. In fact, he commended the church and appealed to the church to make sure they gave honor where honor was due right. to, to help the ministry. But he also himself said, I don't need it. I deserve it, right. but I don't need it. Right. He had, a, we know, a tent-making business. And we see the capacity of Paul the Apostle to actually hustle and build and fund himself so he could do the work of, of the ministry because he was called. It was, a, it was a conviction. But he found a way to make it work. I think in the modern day, what I have seen through all the entrepreneurs, the pastors who have businesses, whether it's synergistic, creative, all those kinds of things, is their capacity is always much larger than the one person whose their whole job is preparing sermons. Right. Or pastoring the church. Right. And sometimes what you find, you know, there's an old saying, if you want something done, find a busy person. <laughs> find a busy person. Because they don't have time to sit and stagnate. Uh, they're going to just put it in the mix of running errands. They're going to find a way to do it. They've got no time to delay. They're just going to be effective and efficient with their time. Mm -hmm. I think when you actually have multiple focuses, you actually have to become a more disciplined person. Love that. And as a result, you actually become more productive. You're actually, I think it's actually healthy for pastors to have external focuses. It puts you outside of the, the silo focus of what you're doing within your church and your staff and you actually uh, open your world up to different industries, cool. different influences. And yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously I think there is a way to do it and the way we've always done it is, is it synergistic? I like that. I also think that I've seen, and this isn't been written anywhere, it's just something I observed that you know I can ask you live right here, that it seems like you have certain boundaries with it though. So for example, we were at an event together 
And at that event, there was a speaker that talked about how if he wants to learn something, he's going to pay that person because um, he wants to make sure that he doesn't feel bad about getting the attention of that person. And then literally a flow on from that event, one of the people that was sitting in the event with us, they literally approached you and they're like, hey, can you mentor me? I'm going to pay you. Right. And then I just remember you just saying no. Right. Um, And that was like maybe like a... I don't know, like a, a pastor entrepreneur moment, um, obviously maybe even somebody trying to honor you and things like that, because we're just a little bit ahead and we can offer them some help and things like that. Was that just kind of like a, a gut thing or is there a certain principle in why you answered it in that way? Well, I didn't say no to mentoring them. I said no, no, exactly, yeah. I said no to taking money from that's them. What, that, yeah, that's right. Uh, only because ultimately in that moment, I just felt like I can, I can just bless you. Mm. And and I didn't want to start a business of mentoring. Yep. I wanted to be out of the overflow. I wanted to keep it relational. Yep. Uh, I I really went on a, a mission over the last several years to be a better a better uh, kingdom networker. Love that. We'd spend a decade growing our church, fo- solely focused on Vive Church and our mm-hmm. Vive locations, and realized that man, I I feel like a calling to actually build the kingdom outside yep. of Vive Church, and that really meant I had to go on the journey of building relationships, kingdom influence, and actually investing into people that don't give me any return. Yeah. Um, and so that was part of it. And in that moment when he asked me, I knew that it would have probably made it more formal. It would have actually come with a lot more expectation that I also couldn't give. Oh, good. But out of overflow, without the expectation of going, well, I need to I need to schedule in meetings now. Yeah. Just just send me a text. Call me. <laughs> like, let's just chat. You know, I can do it on the fly. We can, you know, text back and forward. We can see each other in an event. And then it's actually just a good relationship. I love a that. A friendship rather than a formal mentor paid relationship. I think that's where maybe pastors, and this actually honestly could probably help people that are not in church leadership, I think these principles still apply, is that the ability to frame a situation and to understand, is this an investment in relationship that I want to make? Is this actually a pathway towards another entrepreneurial endeavor um, that I want to take on? And if it is an entrepreneurial thing, two things, do you have capacity for it? Right. And are you equipped for it? Yes. And I think so. that's where pastors and, you know, even if you're not a pastor, but definitely pastors that I've talked to, I think that's where they get kind of get tripped up, yep. right? Is because they're looking at all these other people. Oh, this person has a coaching network. Oh, this person has a leadership podcast, you know, and they're probably getting, you know, extra income streams from that. And, you know, it's, it's about, you know, taking care of my family and, and things like that. And they feel like they have to copy right. somebody else's model. And that's always a, a great way to set up for failure mm. because you're just saying, oh, I'm taking your idea, but it's not something that you're necessarily gifted at or passionate about. Now, I think one of the words that we've always framed is that word synergistic. Yeah. Do they all help each other? Good. Or is it a divided focus? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Am I now having to switch a complete mental headspace to go and do this? Or could one thing enhance the other thing? Yep. And they actually work together in a stream uh, that all are moving in the same direction, whether it's empowering people, releasing people, mobilizing people. Uh, it's very people oriented. Love that. Um, and I think for me, it's in the it is in the realm of leadership, guidance, yep. those kinds of things. But I think it's got a very much a thread that runs together simultaneous, and um, it means that I have a capacity to not have to switch headspaces all the time. Yes, I can actually go from one meeting about this to another section about this. So it's not like, uh, for instance, I'm I'm going to work nine to five in this job. And then I'm going to go and start 
flipping burgers or something like that. Yeah, huge context switch. Right. No, no, it's like I could do that on the fly and I could do it as I'm going. I right. Could, I could do it between meetings mm-hmm. and in the mix of the week. I think that's powerful. The synergy, you said it as well, passion. Yeah. That's why I always get a little bit wary of people that, um, you know, tell me, oh, you know, like I, I just, I'm going to start this drop shipping business on Amazon because I read this blog that I can make six figures right. and it's eventually just going to be my side hustle is going to be my main hustle. And then I'm going to be able to live in the Bahamas and work four hour work week. And I'm like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe somebody did that. Yeah. Maybe because that somebody was actually passionate about it. But if you're doing it primarily, right. Just to make passive income, to make six figures, that's only going to take you four hours. I don't know. I like, it's kind of one of those like cliches of like, if it was that easy, literally everybody Everyone would do would it. Do it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, now, I don't know anybody that is that successful that they uh, can, you know, just do something random like that right. and then it works. No, I've seen more failures at that. Right. And people who realize actually it's not as easy as they think. Yes. Um, or, or as they made it out to be. Every, I think everything that's entrepreneurial, be prepared for hard work. Absolutely. There, there is nothing you can begin with the goal of it being easy. Right. It's not going to work. Mm. You actually have to go, this is going to require a lot of energy. Yes. What am I willing to sacrifice? <laughs> there you go. Because you can't Trade-off analysis. Just, there's a trade-off analysis. You can't just keep adding things in mm. and keep doing everything at the same level. Mm. Something has to sacrifice. So if you're starting something up, well, am I willing to give up my Saturday? Mm. Am I willing to give up something, um, you know, for, for that? And I think you have to be prepared for that in every season. Or do I actually have to build something to a level of sustainability that where it's now, it's now running so then I can free up that capacity to do something else? Yeah, and that clarifies a lot of things when you predetermine your perspective that there's going to be an element of sacrifice. Yes. Because when sacrifice is involved and it's not just, oh, this is going to just take me an extra four hours a week and it's going to make six figures, you know, all that type of stuff. But when there's an element of sacrifice where maybe even you're going to have to do upfront work with no gain. Right. For a season. That will really clarify if you're really passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, true. And I think the motivation's key. Motivation is key. You know? I mean, what our motivation ultimately in the beginning was survival. We had to run right. other, you know, things to be able to do what we're doing it's here. It's a good motivation, by the way, at, at yes, first. To, to live, right, survive <laughs> and not have to go back to Australia yeah, yeah. Uh, with our tail between our legs. So we funded this for a mm-hmm, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first couple of years, we actually were able to stay in the top 10 givers in the church. Yep. After a while, we got, you know, obviously overtaken and we're clawing our way back to get there. But <laughs> but that was because we weren't heavily reliant on the church yep. for money. Um, now our motivation is uh, not survival, but can we be the biggest givers? Great. Can we be some of the most generous? And it doesn't make sense to draw a wage and then still tr- try and be one of the biggest givers. I have to get that right. income somewhere else yep. so that I can bring that to the house. So that's great motivation. It's a great motivation, uh, shifting from survival to generosity. Yep. Um, I love one of the words that you had, maybe you got it like 12 or so months ago, creating pathways. Yes. Yes. For people. Yes. To, to, to make pathways. I mean, I think that that is, uh, entrepreneurial is how do I make a pathway, uh, be a pioneer Mm -hmm. so that others can walk in it. That's what I've tried to do for my daughters. Right. You know, as a dad, I'm trying to forge pathways for them that they don't have to get the hatchet out and cut grass to make that pathway. But can I build a pathway 
so that uh, they can build upon it. So that they're not having to face the same things that I am, but they can actually create on that pathway. Here's a good example. This past Sunday, Vibe at Five, Zali and Zara on stage. Oh, Leading worship. It was epic. Frontline. Epic. My goodness. How, how old are they again? 16. 16 years old, just leading like bosses. Like seriously, like if- Like anointed. If, if you just closed your eyes, yeah. you, you would have thought it was like an experienced adult. Yes. Um, but I've seen that over the past decade, you've created the environment for them to be able to even do that, right? That, that's a brilliant example. That is a brilliant example because it's like, how do I create a pathway where their their obstacle isn't making a stage? Mm. What they've got to focus is how do I hold myself on a stage? Mm. I've built the stage. I've built the platform so that they can actually challenge on how do they actually hold themselves on a stage. I don't need them to make a stage for themselves. I've made a stage. I love that. And it's for me, it's like this old concept of even – uh, I, I love this quote that I got. I was talking about today with somebody, and mm. uh, let me bring this in because it's by Warren Buffett. And in him, it's his concept of how to, you could say, make a pathway, mm-hmm. but how to pass on generational wealth, Ooh, how to create cool. a leverage for the next generation that doesn't corrupt them. Mm. Okay. Wow. And this is his quote. Um, he said, you know, what he wants to give to his children. He wants to give his children enough money so that they would feel that they could do anything but not so much money that they could do nothing. Ooh. He wants to give them enough money so they could feel they could do anything, but not so much money that they could do nothing. And that's, for me, I, Beautiful I love Beautiful tension. That. I the love that theologian Warren Buffett. Don't <laughs> at me. I know he's not in the Bible. But that's, the, that's that pathway. What I'm not trying to do is give them everything, but I'm giving them a platform where they could dream about anything. But it's going to require their best. That's so good. Can can our ceiling be their floor? Exactly. Wow, that's good. And this is the through line. This is why I bring this up is because you identifying, at least for this next season, your passion being creating pathways, that then becomes a through line with everything that you're doing, right? And so um, for over a decade, uh, even more before I met you, you were doing it, youth pastoring, but um, at least for the decade I've known you, uh, creating pathways for people in the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? So uh, very simple, you know, having a church staff that literally their vocation is to build the kingdom through what we do in the local church, which is um, amazing. Obviously as a father, uh, we just talked about it, creating pathways for your daughters. Yep. Um, and then in some of our newest ventures, uh, even just, you know, doing a little bit of investing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so something that we've done is partner with outside investors, yep. <laughs> outside of, um, you know, the things that we do in the church, but separate to that, um, pulling together kingdom funds mm-hmm. uh, to be able to invest and create new platforms and pathways for underestimated entrepreneurs. Correct. Right. And so those are things that we've been working on in the past few years as well. But that's the thing. It's the through line. So when you are evaluating somebody to be on the church staff to build the kingdom, when you're evaluating what your daughters need to take their next step in their development, when you're evaluating if an entrepreneur just needs a little bit of extra money to be able to launch their idea. The context switching is still there, but it's not as drastic because it's the same principles. It's, it's very much the same principles. Okay. So let's take those scenarios, Mm -hmm. whether it's I'm funding a founder or I'm hiring a staff member 
or I'm uh, making a pathway for my daughters. I'm trying to enhance what they're already passionate about. Right. So let's take the staff member. The way we hire at Vive is we don't go looking for what we need. We hire who we've got. We actually hire Mm, the best of the best volunteers are the ones we end up paying because we realize, well, we just can't do it without them. And if they've become so important to what we do, we better pay them. So you don't have an executive recruiter. We don't have an executive recruiter. <laughs> hey, a lot of churches do. I don't know <laughs> we, if that's right or wrong, but a lot of churches do. We definitely don't. <laughs> we definitely don't. We Because we've got a culture of volunteering. I mean, what's really strange is like you know, when we started, people thought it was crazy that we didn't pay band members. Remember that? <laughs> like, that was like such a phenomenon. Like, they're like, like, wait, they're all volunteers? Yeah, exactly. Well, are we paying the, the barista? Yeah, that's right. Are we going to pay the person in the parking lot? And are we paying the engineers? Like who are you know working on the audio machine? You yeah. know, uh, audio machine. Uh, like, but but no, it was like no. We we got a culture where the the ones who are already doing it and proving it, Love that. let's fund them. Mm. Same in a founder. I'm not just going to offer money for someone who wants to start an idea. I'm looking for someone who's already pushing through brick walls. Right. Let me get behind that and fund it. Yeah, we want the money to be fuel and gas. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Not um, a convincing agent. Exactly. And my daughters. I'm not just throwing money at them. I'm looking at where they're passionate and where they've got energy and let me resource that. Mm. And so it's all synergistic, the way that we are deploying funds, paying staff or, you know, providing for the daughters. It's all in the same vein and the same mindset. Well, here is another level of synergy uh, in, in these scenarios, right? Is one of the reasons that we started this investment fund for underestimated founders and one of our criteria is that they're kingdom-minded. Correct. Okay, okay, why is that important to us? Because we don't just want people that start, build billion-dollar companies that are successful, mm-hmm. um, that help a lot of people, that, that change industries and things like that, but we want them to acknowledge God in that process. <laughs> yes. And so if they're kingdom minded from the beginning, then our hope is that once they are successful, uh, they acknowledge God by then taking some of those profits and applying it to the purpose of the kingdom. We are unashamedly kingdom builders. Mm. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. Like the, at the core of our synergy is it, is it building the kingdom? Right. If it's not building the kingdom, it's not worth my time. Exactly. Um, and so there are many ways to build the kingdom. I think a one paradigm level is, well, unless I'm, unless I'm working for the church, I'm not building the kingdom. No, 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 no. There's many ways to be a kingdom builder because you could be just building a killer company and funneling those funds into the church. So I think that that's something that you want to focus on, right? Is, uh, is it synergistic to your core ethos? And when it is, that comes with a conviction, Mm. To build it furiously. So let's make this super applicable just in our last couple minutes here. Um, because I know that there are probably pastors, there are probably senior church leaders that are looking for ways to be upwardly mobile. Yes. Um, th- I just know that this is a hot topic. And it I is. know that people have trouble navigating it or thinking through it. How would you practically advise somebody go on that journey? I think if you're not a lead pastor, one of the biggest things that I would suggest is that you submit 
your thoughts to your lead pastor for sure. so that it's undercovering. Um, but outside of that, what, what are some ways you would advise a young person thinking about this to navigate this? I think you've got to look at what's in your capability, mm-hmm. right? Like the, uh, the the very thing that what's in your hand. That's a really great way to talk about so it. So good. Um, to look at, okay, am I being strategic with what I've got naturally? Am I naturally creative? Love that. Am, am I, you know, um, have I got a gifting in an area? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't think you get to just start. I think you've got to research. I think yes. you've got to grow. Yes. You've got to – I say this. Are you willing to do something for free for a while? Exactly. You know, get some experience, make some contacts. At the the g- current generation wants to be paid from the beginning. I know. Okay. And <laughs> unfortunately, that doesn't actually work. Right. They expect to be paid top dollar from the beginning. Right. No, no, no. Work for free. Yep. I think you and I both, we've done many things for free. Work oh, experience, yeah. you know, I've even paid to do stuff. Oh, totally. Um, so, so I think you have to do that. I also think you've got to look across your landscape and we'd probably have to go into a whole teaching about this around the five P's, you know, yeah, of yeah. finance and yeah, we'll looking do another at, episode on we'll that. do a whole episode on that, but, but you literally got to look across the thing. Am I, am I actually fulfilling those buckets? And, uh, I mean, there's a whole episode I think we would need to dedicate to Absolutely. that concept. But I think I would start with what can I do that's in my hand yes. that is synergistic to what I'm doing? And I would add to that, and this is applicable to everybody, whether you're you know, in a church work context or not, and just looking to, to find ways to be more upwardly mobile. At the end of the day, what's going to really um, you know, provide significant streams of income is when you figure out how to provide incredible value to other people. Yeah. Whether that's a product, whether that's a service, whether that is a skill set that you offer to other people that they're willing to compensate you for, um, that you have leverage in at the end of the day, it has to come from a place where you truly are providing value yes. where it's like 10 X value to them. They're like, Oh man, I feel so bad for even just paying your rate. Cause you're providing me 10 X value. Um, and I think from there, then, you know, you will never have to really worry, uh, because that value, um, is really the exchange that people are That's looking brilliant. for. That's yeah. brilliant. That's brilliant. You know, I've seen some different things on Instagram, um, about, uh, you know, uh, charging a premium because you're worth it. It's like, well, no, you're not yet. Not yet. No, you've got to build worth <laughs> and you've got to build value. Um, and so I think that's important. I think you definitely got to, uh, put the time in my, my thing is this. The hoax is that if you're thinking about how do I make extra income, you are literally thinking along the wrong line. Right. You have to actually start thinking with what can I build over the next several years that will become valuable. Love it. Hey, episode 10, it's one of our best yet. I think that's going to help some people. Let us know your questions. We would love to tackle them in episode 11. See you soon. Peace. Hey, Katrina here again. So I want to let you know that one of the biggest things that the Hype Network gets to be a part of is Amen Conference at Vive Church. It's happening on June 21 through 23. We've got amazing speakers on the main stage, including Mark Franci from Oceans Church, Rich Wilkerson from Voo Church, and our very own Pastor Adam Smallcom here from Vive Church. So Hype Network, go and get your tickets. Do not wait. While they're still available, you got to go get your tickets and just add on the Hype Track at no extra cost to access the symposium of events happening all around the Hype Network. 
Now, this includes hype sessions, discussions with industry experts, networking events, meetups, access to the hype house, co-working spaces, and more. Go to amenconference.com and get your tickets right away. As always, if you love this podcast, leave us a great rating and subscribe wherever you stream your audio content. See you soon.